Assalamu alaikum. Surah Al-Sharh, the next surah that, that we're going to look at, is a surah that, similarly to the pre previous surah, it looks at comforting the Prophet wasallam and the Muslims who are in that time under serious persecution and having a difficult time. This takes me to the idea of something that I want to teach before we enter into this surah, which is the concept of asbab and nuzul, which is an Arabic word that means the reason or the context for revelation. We know that the Quran was not revealed all in one go, it was revealed in bits and pieces over 23 years of time when during the Prophet Wasallam's prophethood. We know that certain verses were revealed to address particular situations. For example, certain verses may have been revealed in battle in order to lay down the rulings related to warfare and ethics. Some verses may have been revealed if somebody asked the Prophet Muhammad a question, such as the Jews and Christians, and he would not know the answer. So Allah would reveal Quran, would inspire the Prophet with verses of the Quran to respond to this. So many verses of the Quran are revealed with addressing a particular situation and in response to that particular situation. That situation or that context or that reason why those verses were immediately revealed is called in Arabic sabab and nuzul. And it's useful to know why every surah or if any event or circumstance took place, why those verses or that surah was revealed. This is because once we understand the context, we can understand the surah even better. And it gives us um, a way to look at Allah's ayahs, not standalone, but in the area, the time and the place that they were revealed. However, there's one important thing to take note, which is that just because ayahs of the Quran were revealed in a particular time or in a particular place to address a particular concern or a particular question, that doesn't mean it doesn't apply to us today. So if an ayah was revealed, for example, to answer a question that were asked, was asked by the Jews, this answer is still relevant for us today. It's still an important piece of information that we'd like to know today. And people of other faiths today might want to know. And it's recorded in the Quran until the Day of Judgment. This is a principle known in Arabic as That the meanings of the Quran are not just specifically for the reasons they were revealed, but then those meanings are general and apply to any other situation in our life. So coming to Surah Al-Sharh. We said that Surah Al-Sharh, same as Surah Al-Duha, the Surah before it, the purpose of this Surah is to comfort the Prophet and the Muslims by reminding them of the blessings that Allah has given them and to count those blessings and also to be optimistic and positive for the future and to know that difficulty is always alongside ease and that Allah is in control of all affairs. One important, um, one important thing to know when it comes to the situation or the time and place when certain ayahs were revealed is to know whether a surah or an ayah is what's known as Makki or Madani. Was it, uh, is it a Meccan ayah or a Madinan ayah? Now we know these are two cities. Mecca is the city in which the Prophet wasallam uh, began his message as a prophet. And 13 years later, the Prophet Muhammad wasallam and his companions, they moved to a city called Medina. What does it mean for a surah or ayahs to be Makki, Meccan or Medina? If ayahs of the Qur'an were revealed before the Prophet moved, then we call them Meccan ayahs. If they were revealed after the Prophet moved, we call them Medinan ayahs. Why is this important to us? It's important to us because ayahs that were revealed when the Prophet before he moved to Medina 
were ayahs that were dealing with a small Muslim population that was going through a lot of difficulty, persecution, torture. And the subjects that Allah deals with in those ayahs are simple main concepts of Islam such as Tawheed, believing in one God, the prophethood of Muhammad وسلم, the Day of Judgment and its proofs. Those kind of concepts that are the main beliefs that we need to have. Later on when the Muslims moved to Medina, the Quran that was revealed, the ayahs that were revealed to the Prophet Muhammad in Medina were ayahs related to warfare ethics, to marriage, divorce, financial dealings, uh, how to run a government, all those things that the Muslims needed to know at that time, detailed um, legal issues. Whereas when they were in Mecca, when Muslims were a minority and were persecuted, the main thing that Allah talked to them about and taught them about in the Quran was the basic beliefs and some rulings as well. So that's a distinction. So for example, the surah we are about to study, Surah Al-Sharh, Alam Nashrah Laka Sadrak, is a Meccan surah. That means this surah was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad wasallam in a time and place where the Muslims were under a lot of pressure. They were struggling to hold on to their basic beliefs and they were attacked left, right and center. They were not powerful. They didn't have a place to call their own. And so it's important to know that and understand that when we see the tone of the surah, the messages of the surah and the lessons we can learn from this surah. And you can also take away from this that knowing the situation the surah was in, Whenever you in your life have a similar situation, you can directly look at the surah and see how it applies to your life as well. In the first ayah of this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Alam nashrah laka sadrak. O Muhammad, did we not open your chest? So in this beginning part of the surah, the first few ayahs, Allah is going to list a few blessings and favors that he had done to Muhammad for Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in order to comfort him and say, look, I've still, look at all the things I've given you and the blessings that you have and the future would be positive and don't worry about the difficulty you're currently going through. So the first thing is he begins to list out the blessings that he gave Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The first of those is that Allah has opened his chest. What does that mean? So, it has two meanings. The first meaning is that Allah physically opened Muhammad sallallahu chest and we'll go into detail about that. The second meaning is that Allah has opened up his mind and his soul and his attitude towards Islam and has prepared, Allah prepared him to become a prophet mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So much so that before Islam, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu was known as the honest and the trustworthy, al-sadiq al-ameen. People knew him and he had a credibility in the city where he was born and he came from. Allah prepared him with certain experiences that made him ready to hold the message that he was about to hold. So that's, what, that's one meaning um, of Sharh al-Sadr, the opening of the chest. It's a more metaphorical meaning. The other meaning of Sharh al-Sadr is the idea that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala physically opened the Prophet sallallahu chest twice in his lifetime. Both of these are authentic hadiths mentioned in Sahih Bukhari and Muslim. Um, the first is when the Prophet was a young boy and he was in his, uh, with his nursing mother Halima al-Sa'diyya and staying in a tribe called Banu Sa'd where he was sent to in order to learn the Arabic language, the classical Arabic language. In that time the Prophet heart was opened by two angels, physically opened and cleaned. And they took out a clot of blood from his body and they said that they were taking out the influence of the shaitan upon this child. Which, means to, which is to say that the Prophet as a human being, 
He had to be prepared physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually for the task he was going to take as a prophet. And one of those things was to completely remove him from this human, from the normal human nature of being influenced by the shaitan. So the angels took out this from his system as a young child. In addition, the sharh al-sadr, the physical opening of his heart and the washing of his heart by the angels, also signifies filling his heart with knowledge, wisdom, maturity, and the ability to accept Iman and Islam when it comes. His heart was opened physically a second time in his life when he went on the Isra wal-Mi'raj, the night journey, the night ascension, where he flew on a winged horse to heaven and he went to Jerusalem. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu was his heart was his chest was opened up his heart taken out and washed with zamzam water and again this was to to fill him with knowledge maturity wisdom um, and positive qualities um, so it was not that he had any negative qualities that needed to be taken away rather it was to fill him with further positive positive qualities and and this is what this ayah essentially refers to these the physical opening of his heart and the spiritual awakening and the, the blessings that Allah gave him in terms of knowledge and maturity and wisdom that nobody else had um, to his level in his time. In ayahs 2 and 3 of Surah Al-Sharh, Allah says, He mentions a second blessing, a second favor which he gave to Muhammad وسلم, which is, he says, O Muhammad, did I not relieve the burden that was heavily weighing on your back? What is this burden that the Prophet Muhammad was carrying? According to the scholars of Tafsir and Shaykh Salih al-Usaymi, they say that it was sins. And that Allah says to the Prophet وسلم, in another surah, Surah Al-Fatih, لِيَغْفِرَ لَكَ اللَّهُ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ ذَنْبِكَ وَمَا تَأَخْرَ That Allah has forgiven your past sins and your future sins. What a huge favor and a blessing from Allah. In addition to that, as a Prophet, the, we believe that the Prophet is free from disobeying Allah. He does not disobey Allah. That's unbecoming of a Prophet. Rather, he may make human errors, he may make human mistakes that are unrelated to his prophecy or relating revelation to Muslims. So, um, understanding this, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the Prophet that one of the favors he gave him was that he removed this burden of sins on his back. Think about this for a moment. What sins could our Prophet Muhammad have committed before Islam or after Islam? We know that before Islam, before he was a Prophet, he never committed shirk, he never worshipped other than Allah. We know that he was not somebody who had a bad character, who was angry, an evil person or malignant. So what kind of sins could he have committed that it would be so heavy on his back? The truth of the matter is, that the Prophet and people, anybody of strong Iman, they consider even the smallest sin as something that really weighs, weighs heavily on their back. It hurts them, it bothers them, it concerns them. And we know this from a statement of the Prophet's companion, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, who said, that a Muslim sees their sins like a mountain on their shoulders. And a Munafiq, a hypocrite, or somebody who has doesn't have a complete, isn't completely committed to Islam. Um, they see their sins as a fly that's buzzing around and bothering them. They just want to get rid of it and not think about it. Sins are heavy. Um, the idea that we disobeyed Allah willingly is something that should weigh heavily on our shoulders. When we think back to 
our mistakes and our sins, the hurtful words we've said, the salah, salah that we've missed, the time we've wasted, all of this should weigh heavily on our shoulders and it should make us really turn to Allah and ask Him for forgiveness. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most merciful and the most forgiving. And what He requires is that we be sincere when we come to Him asking Him for forgiveness. Just as when you make a mistake, when you hurt somebody's feelings, you say sorry. Um, however, the difference between apologizing and asking Allah's forgiveness is that when we turn to Allah to seek His forgiveness, Allah does not benefit out of it. It's only us who benefit from it. So this idea that the second favor the Prophet had وسلم, was that Allah forgave his past and his future sins. May Allah forgive all of our sins. The next ayah in this surah and the third favor, the third blessing that Allah mentions to his Prophet وسلم, is وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ O Muhammad, we've raised your status and made you respectful and venerated and uh, people around the world, uh, they, look up, look, they, look up at, they look up at you with honor and respect and dignity. How did Allah raise the Prophet ﷺ's status? He's done this in so many ways. The first is that even before Islam, people would mention Muhammad ﷺ's good qualities. They knew his credibility and his character as a man. The second is that when he became a prophet, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts his name, Muhammad's name, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, next to his own name. When we mention the testimony of faith, la ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. It's not enough to say la ilaha illallah to enter Islam. We have to assert that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. When we hear the call to prayer, when we hear the Quran being recited, the name of our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is mentioned and mentioned and mentioned again. It's also one of the most popular names on earth today. And truly, Allah has raised the honor, raised the mention and the name of Muhammad in the world around us as a form of respect, as a form of his dignity. Think about this though. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is revealing this surah to Muhammad this is before his hijrah, before he goes to Medina, before Islam becomes popular, when Islam is a religion held by a small minority of people. So really this ayah is a promise to the Prophet that we are going to spread your name and spread this religion and you are going to be honoured on this earth. So it's not just a current honour for him, it's also a future promise to him that Muhammad wasallam's name will be honoured and respected and this is the third favour that Allah gives him. After Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the blessings he's given Muhammad wasallam, the magnificent and the great blessings he's bestowed on him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then begins to mention the, the crux or the conclusion of this surah, which is that the one, the God, the creator who provided for you, who's raised your status, forgiven your past and future sins, opened up your chest and prepared you for this message, he is the same creator who will take your difficult situation and make it an easy situation. So Allah says, that, O oh Muhammad, with difficulty comes ease. Indeed, with difficulty comes ease. He repeats the ayah twice to emphasize it further, to make sure, to ensure that it's understood, that it's emphasized, that it's a promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That anytime there is a difficult situation, we should always look at the light at the end of the tunnel and, and expect that situation to become better. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here, when this Qur'an, these ayahs were revealed, Allah was talking to a group of Muslims under very difficult circumstances. 
And in this ayah, Allah tells them and promises them that don't worry, the light is near, the ease is near. That come through this difficult period and show your patience and inshallah, you will come to an easier period and you will see the fruits of your labor and of your patience. The last two ayahs of Surah Al-Sharh. After Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds the Prophet of his blessings to reassure him, and he then reassures him that this difficult period is only temporary. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, once he's reassured and motivated the Muslims and the Prophet wasallam, he then tells them to push on and keep working hard. To not stop short just because of the situation and the circumstance they're in, but to work hard in doing other good deeds and varying their good deeds. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed, after difficulty is ease, after difficulty is ease. When you are freed of what you are working on, whether it's salah that you are praying or whether it's um, a masjid that you are building, any act of worship that you are doing, when you're freed from it, when you're finished from it, start on another task. Don't stop. Keep going. And in this ayah is a reminder to try to fill our times with our time with positive acts of worship. And whether it's going to the gym, exercising, spending time with your family or reading the Quran, all of these can be considered acts of worship and rewardable acts by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we just have to use our time productively. In our day and age, we are passive consumers. We would like to turn on the TV or turn on the telly and just let it soak in while we lay back and relax. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us as Muslims that even in difficult times, even in tough circumstances, you keep pushing forward, you keep proving your mettle, you spend your time enjoying the sweetness of, of worshipping Allah and devoting yourself to Him. The last ayah of this surah ends with وَإِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ فَرْغَبْ And turn to Allah in all your affairs. Turn to Allah in dua, turn to Allah with your hopes, turn to Allah with your aspirations. Don't rely on this, this limited world and this short period of time that we live in this life. Um, don't be strayed or weakened or pushed back by difficulties and obstacles and tough times. But rely on Allah and turn to Him. This is the core message of this surah. Some points to think about for Surah to sharh one of, the, one of the reflections I had was when Allah mentions to the Prophet ﷺ how he opened his heart. Not physically opened it, but also opened his mind to Islam, to accept it, to practice it. And that's really one of the biggest blessings and the greatest blessings. Um, so think about that. How, how did Allah bring you close to him and bring you close to uh, desiring to learn and desiring to understand the Qur'an? And, and why did he do that? And what a great favor that he did that. The other one is think about the heaviness of sins and how we look at sins. Do we play it down or do we really regard them as something that's important and concerning and something that affects us in our relationship with Allah? The third is to think about the Prophet ﷺ and what is our relationship to him. Many of us, we may have his name or we may, we may know him, but do we love him? Uh, and so when Allah mentions, وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ We've raised your status. Do we really relate to that? Does he have a high status for me? And for you, or is it just a popular name? And the last thing I'd say to think about is the idea of difficulty and ease. Um, you know, are you going through a difficult time at the moment? How many difficult times have you been through in your life? And if you look back in the past, when you went through a difficult time, 
Was it followed up by an easy time? Did that difficulty eventually go away? So look at the sunnah of Allah, the way Allah manages the world and the way um, Allah has promised us that things happen in a certain way, His laws in creation. And one of them is that difficulty does not last forever. And also ease does not last forever. Whenever we're having good times, we should expect that, we should be thankful for that good time and expect that something may go wrong in the future and not get too comfortable. So these are just a few points for reflection.